Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right. Today's guest is a former Special Forces Green Beret, a celebrity bodyguard and security expert, and a best-selling author, Daniel Fielding. Welcome to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here, and I have a, a hunch I'll survive the podcast, but you never know. It could be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for coming on, and uh, I'm really hyped. I got to read your book before you came on, The Asset Mindset, and I love this book, man. I'm feeling really motivated after reading it, so uh, thank you for sending this over. Um before we talk about the book, do you want to tell the audience maybe a little bit about your background? Like, um, how long were you in the military? What made you join? Uh, like, when did you get in? When did you get out? Stuff like that. Yeah, I can give a quick little synopsis of what I did in my career. Cool. So I was a regular guy, just got out of college, working at a family business, blue collar construction, got my real estate license, was planning on, you know, working with the family business. 9-11 happened. And that shook me. And I was like, damn, I want to support the troops. And the best way to do that is to be there with them. So I did my research, decided I wanted to be a special forces Green Beret. And I walked in the recruiter's office and I said, I want this job. And he looked at me kind of funny and he's like, I don't know, have you ever been arrested? And, you know, you got to take these tests and have certain scores and whatnot. And I was able to meet all the hurdles and then enlist. And I turned 28 in basic training. I did five years active duty. Um, was on a seventh special forces group team in ODA, Operational Detachment Alpha. I was the uh, 18 Charlie logistics, demolitions guy, master breacher type deal. That was my role on the team. And I did that until I got out. And then I was a DOD contractor. And I worked with NSW or Naval Special Warfare, their uh, SEAL teams, different teams. I've worked with MARSOC. I've worked with several Green Beret you know, groups, whether it's 7th group, 3rd group, 5th group, 10th group. I've done across the board. But yeah, now I'm full-time security with Kid Rock. Uh, we met years ago. I did work previously a little bit with him, and we had a good relationship, but touring stopped. And in between working with him, I was still doing my DOD contract work. And we just left on good terms because I wanted to get back and work with my fellow brothers and sisters in arms and kind of pass the torch. So that's what I did. And then when I was contracting, a lot of people were like, man, you got an interesting life and perspective. You should write a book. And thus, the asset mindset was born on the road while I was contracting with uh, the military. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the book. I had a great time reading it. I uh, I recommend if anyone reads it, I took some notes while I was reading, um, but I also did the audio book. I kind of did combination. I took a couple days to read it. And um, 
taking notes is great because it I I was just writing little like motivational uh tidbits, little little diamonds for uh for my own motivation. Um, uh, but I also listened to some of it while I was in the gym. So um yeah, I found it very inspiring. And it also reminded me a lot of, I used to work with a, a guy who did celebrity security. Um, I used to like PA on movie sets and stuff. And okay. I used to work with a guy who did security like on movie sets. And sometimes he'd bring me around to kind of like be his P his PA. And um, we also used to do an, an AAR, an after action report. So uh, I was relating to that when I, when I read that in your book. Nice. Um, well, there's a lot of nuggets I call them in my book, if you recall. You know, yeah, you you call them nuggets. Nugget. You call them nuggets. I was calling them diamonds. <laughs> Either way, they're they're precious and valuable. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and is this is this the only book you've written? Uh, currently, yes, sir. Yeah. Do you have any plans to write more? Any like follow ups to this book or? Yeah, I got some things in the works. Uh, definitely. A lot of people love the asset mindset philosophy and they kind of want a workbook. So mm -hmm. I've been uh, putting some stuff together, going to do that. And I also want to talk about how struggle is real for everybody. It's part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a great mindset, doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. You're still going to have problems. You're still going to have obstacles to overcome. It's part of the human condition. We're going to have loss. We're going to have loved ones pass. We're going to have an accident. We're going to have things happen. So the struggle is real for everyone. And that's kind of the theme for my next one. Very cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, some of the stuff I liked from the book. Um, I noticed that you talked about meditation in one of the chapters. Is that something that you worked with when you were in the military? Or wh where does that uh, where's that nugget come from? That came from uh, my martial artist background from when I was a teenager. And that just really helped me be centered. So anytime I was really stressed, I could kind of go to that meditative state and relax and get grounded and not let emotions take control. I'll share a quick little you know, saying or analogy that I kind of use that was told to me by one of my former instructors. I was like, do you want to be a tiger or a dragon? And I was confused. I'm like, what do you mean a tiger or a dragon? He goes, well, a tiger just, you know, it has sharp claws and things happen and it reacts. A dragon is wise. It has sharp claws and it can do a lot of damage like a tiger can. But you want to be wise with your moves and your positions and whatnot. So stay calm and think. So I was like, yeah, I want to be a dragon. And we had the dragon warrior code, which was one of the things we would meditate on. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that in the book too, right? The Dragon Warrior Code. Yes, sir. So it's can one you... of the biggest things that shaped my life. That was one of the sparks. And it was because I was young, trying to learn about life, learn to become a man. And it just hit so many things. Like I can even recite it for you now. And I have it tattooed on my back. It's I am what I am because I choose to be. I'm a dragon by choice and subject to its loss. My family instructors and my classmates and my heart and my mind. Even though we may disagree with each other, we still strive to be one. Forgetting all categories and letting energy which wishes to exist, exist. And as a dragon, I must go forth to seek the Tao and the void, understanding myself and finding peace within. That's fantastic. So what, tell me a little bit more about that. Did you say to seek the Tao and the void? 
Yeah, Dao is uh, the way or Taoism, you mm -hmm. might have heard. So that's more of a philosophical thing, but that line means finding the way in the void of life or in the world or the void of earth and space or energy. So it's finding your place and your purpose where you're going to be and then being at peace with that. Because obviously we can't be everything to everyone or pursue every single dream we have. We have to have some focus. And that's part of accepting who we are. And I am what I am because I choose to be. I love that. I, that's a big theme, I think, in the book. Like you choose the path of your life. You know, I, I found that very empowering in the book. There, there seemed to be a theme of like empowering us to choose how our life is going to go and kind of dropping the victim mentality and really being the, I don't know if you use these words, but really being like the author of your own story, um, being the narrator or the, the, the one who chooses which path you're going to go down in life. Um, I found it very motivating and okay. So there was another line in that uh, in the dragon warrior code that I liked a lot that you said, um, I may get it wrong, but despite our differences, we choose to be one. Yes. So we are, that's, that's a very hard one to process, but we are all, you know, spiritual. We're all connected, the web of life. And even though we're going to have different points of view, we need to always remember that you are a fellow human being. It's kind of like when two mixed martial artists go into the ring and they're trying to knock each other out and, you know, but at the end, what do they do? Most of the time they hug, they embrace, you know, we're one man, we're both warriors. We're on, you know, we're on the same planet. We're on the, and with nowadays, the things that are going on, we need to remember that, you know, it's a scary place. And I believe in fighting evil. I mean, I was a Green Beret Special Forces. I have no problem with going and doing missions and having to do bad things to bad people. But we also need to stay grounded and realize that, you know, we're all human beings and we're all on this planet together. The more we can be a team and help each other and be positive, the better it's going to be. I agree, man. I, you know, I actually avoid watching the news because it's it's a little too much on my nervous system. But uh, I agree. I, th I'm, I think I'm ready. I'm ready in this world to uh, put aside our differences and just, you know, live peacefully. There's, there's too much craziness in this world. No, absolutely. But, you know, to survive, sometimes you got to do you know what you got to do and that old saying i would rather be a warrior in a garden than be a gardener in a war so like get your skills sharp if you want to survive and make it yeah i agree so that going back to the book i uh i remember that you said uh daily pt is strongly recommended and i agree with that too i i find that if i if i get my body moving and i work out every day um Obviously, I'm more confident because I'm I'm feeling fit, but I'm also feeling more mental clarity if I'm staying active. Absolutely. It gets the blood flowing. Your cells yeah. are. There's so much to it. There's science behind it. And you don't have to go crazy. I mean, the more you do, the more results you'll get. Obviously, you don't want to burn out and destroy your body. But at the same time, you want to push yourself. You need to do something every day. Even days that I don't get to hit the gym as well as I want, I'll just stop and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do 50 push-ups or I'm going to do this or that and, you know, do stretches and whatever it may be. I mean, I do it in the office sometimes, you know, I'll come back, 
from getting a drink and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to knock out some push-ups, or I'm going to do a couple burpees, you know, like you just got to get moving. And I, I do the same push. thing. If, if I miss the gym, then I, I try to hit the floor and just knock out a bunch of push-ups at least. Nice. Do you have a, uh, like a routine, like a PT routine or, uh, I'm curious, like what, what can you share with the audience? What do you recommend? Like pull-ups, weights, push-ups, whatever is good for them. You know what I've learned and now, cause I'm, I'm 48. A lot of people don't think I'm 48. I'm getting close to 50 here. And I've learned, you know, when I was active duty, it was, I want to be a beast. I want to be able to, you know, pick up as much weight. And, you know, I got to carry somebody or ammo cans or whatever it was like, I still want to be a beast a little bit, but I don't push as hard in training with heavy weight. Now mm -hmm. I do lighter weight, more repetitions, because mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep my body parts working. It's like anything, if you have a bearing that is under stress too much, and you have too much weight on it, that roller bearing or something sooner or later, it's going to wear out. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing now I'm playing the long game. So I'm trying to keep my weight down. I'm trying to do high repetitions. When I go to the gym, I do reps of 30, 20, and 10 or 12, depending where I'm at. I used to do like 10, 8, 4, and like, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where tendons get torn or ligament problems, or you can have issues. Like, I don't want to hurt myself. I am trying to keep myself, my greatest asset effective for as many years as possible and functioning at a high level mm -hmm. so yeah i might not be able to bench as much as i used to but i'm going to hopefully keep being able to bench or do push-ups a lot longer well i think it's working man you look super young and, and super you look good you look fit um i'm curious i'm i'm looking at my notes from the book you mentioned uh you mentioned uh taking out the bad guys and being a warrior I think there was a story in there where you guys, three of you cleared like a room of, or a building with 18 people in it or something. Yes. Yeah. Can, yeah, can you tell was, the, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Well, that, that was a uh, story that I was using to represent leadership and teamwork and the bonds of faith and trust in each other. So there was a large village that had multiple compounds and we were going there and we went with two ODAs. So it wasn't just one team, but there were so many buildings and we were searching for multiple HVTs or high value targets. Although that term's not used anymore, but either way, we're looking for the bad guys. Mm -hmm. So we had gone through when you're clearing, you got a process, different things happen, you know, stacks move, we're flowing through. Well, we get to this last building and our stack is down to three people. So there's my master sergeant or Bob, who was our team sergeant or team daddy. He was there. And then my buddy, Brian. And we looked at each other and like, all right, the three of us going in because you're always supposed to have a battle buddy. And guess what? With three people, you don't really have a battle buddy. And we knew once we went through and breached the main gate that there was going to be multiple rooms. And how are we going to do this? So we just made it up on the fly. And we looked at it, we like, we trust each other. Here's our plan. So what happened was, is I was pulling security outside as people were like, it's kind of, maybe if you think of a hallway, like I'd be staying in the hallway, which is bad because it's a fatal funnel. You don't necessarily want to be in a hallway, but I wasn't in a hallway. I was out in the courtyard where they would enter different rooms of that 
compound, so to speak. And if you've ever been downrange, you kind of know what I'm talking about. There's like a big courtyard and then there's a bunch of rooms in and around the courtyard or built into the walls or whatever. So I posted up where I could pull security for them as they were battle buddies going through and clearing. And it was not ideal, but it was something that we on the fly trusted each other. We believed in each other and we came up with a system. And instead of, oh, we can't do it, we figured, all right, how do we do it? All right, I'm going to pull security in the courtyard. You guys are going to come in and out. If something goes bad, then I'll move in. You know, and we had comms on the radio. Everybody has radios together. So that was good. But that was definitely a little bit of a scary moment in the sense that it went against everything in a sense we've been taught. But at the same time, we've been taught to, you got to make stuff happen. You know, like you're on a mission and we needed to clear that building. Do we want to wait? And who knows how long it would take for anybody else to get up to us. And they could be preparing and booby trapping or who knows what they were doing. So speed and violence of action. We went with speed and we're able to get it done. Amazing, man. Um, so I'm wondering, do you have any stories you can share? Lots of times we ask people, do you have any survival stories where maybe you didn't think you were going to make it out, but somehow, somehow you made it? Um, there was one night that we went out and we had been doing a BCP or border control point, um, run around the pack border area and RC east of um, Afghanistan. And we had been out multiple days. And on the way back, there was like off in the mountains, a flash flood or storm, which created this flash flood. We were crossing a wadi and all of a sudden, this truck i mean it came and it started washing things down and we had one vehicle that was stuck inside the flash flood and we had to like throw tow ropes and all security was pretty much lost um, i'm a big guy i'm six four so i was up in the turret and i had thermal and night vision on each eye you know going back and forth scanning people are running back and forth we're halfway in the wadi because we could only get the tow line so far to be able to get to the other vehicle and pull them out meanwhile it's washing away going down we had one guy that was just by one hand on that rope he fell because the water was coming so bad and when you're wearing kit i mean i had 85 pounds of kit with my plates and he rounds and extra mags or whatnot and you go down in the water it's you're not going to swim and he had one hand on that tow rope and was like it almost looked like he was water skiing because he was slapping and he was able to just swing his other arm around and get on there and we were able to get everybody out and get all the sensitive items but we were there sitting ducks you know just it, had we been engaged at that moment we wouldn't have been able to do much i was the only gun in the fight at that point I mean, granted, we would have reacted and done everything we could, but that was definitely a scary moment getting caught in a flash flood in the wadi in Afghanistan. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, I think in the book you mentioned a phrase that I personally love, and that is adapt, improvise and overcome. So yeah. uh, I guess sometimes you never know what variables are going to come at you and and. Sometimes it's the weather that uh, that throws a surprise at you. 
Yeah. And I will say that night, I, I love the Air Force because when they came in, because we ended up calling like, hey, we're we're kind of in a sense, we weren't pinned down, but we were stuck. And they were like, all right, we're going to send in some close air support and buzz by and make sure, check, nobody's moving in on you. And when they flew, I mean, they came in real low and did a burn to like kind of do a presence, like we're here. And that was definitely, it took a little while for them to get on station from when we first, you know, called in. But that was a warm feeling knowing they were right up there above us. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And so what year did you, did you get out of the military? Actually, I um, got off active duty in 2008. Got you. And are you touring pretty often doing like working with Kid Rock and doing like celebrity bodyguard security stuff? Oh, on a regular basis. I'm full time with him. Right Amazing. Now. And some other people that could be in our entourage and crew. So I flex and work with others, but he's my primary client. That's a great gig to get into uh, after being in the military. Oh, it's, it's a fantastic gig. I've known him, what, over 15 years now, and he's an amazing patriot. And I, I wasn't looking to do this. This was one of them opportunities in life. You know, you pursue something, doors open, and you know what? I'm going to go through that door and check it out. And it, yeah, and it's that, pretty good that was, on the other side, so I'm not. That was another thing I liked in the book where um, kind of the theme of uh, – if you don't keep moving, like if you don't, if you freeze, you don't grow. If you don't keep moving, you don't grow. And if you don't take, if you take big risks, then you'll get big rewards, ideally. And yeah. um, I think there was a chapter in there that you, how you basically met him by chance and then just kind of rolled with the opportunity, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. I was down in the Bahamas um, in 2008. Um, on my birthday because the year before I was running missions in Afghanistan and I got off active duty I'm like hey this year we're going to do something nice so we went down to the Bahamas and just arrived laying on the beach after checking in the room and I hear this music I'm like oh I wonder if there's a you know discotheque or what's going on over here I'm going to go check it out and maybe it'll be a place to hang for my birthday well lo and behold who is it it's the American badass kid rock rocking out in his cabana just jamming music and tunes and i was like man that's kid rock i gotta go up and say thank you for all he does and i went up there with the purpose of just you know giving thanks and showing gratitude for everything he does to support the troops well it turns out he asked if i'm in i explained the situation no i just got out it's my birthday i'm down in he's like well thank you for your service it's your birthday let me buy you a drink then we start hanging out, talking, and he's like, hey, you got any birthday dinner plans? And I'm like, no, not exactly. He's like, well, come with me. We'll have dinner. So I go to dinner, and he's still like, thanks for your service. And at that point, I hadn't told him I was a Green Beret yet. I was just, you know, active duty. I said, oh, I'm a crazy guy. I jumped out of airplanes. That's all. And I left it at that. Of course, his birthday, having a few drinks, by the end of the night, he got it out of me. And then he was like, oh, cool. Tell me this. Tell me that. And thank you so much. So. The point of that story is we were both just giving thanks and showing gratitude for each other. It wasn't there like, oh, I'm a badass Green Beret and oh, I'm a badass rock star. And we were we were complimenting each other. And mm -hmm. that, I think, is what really brought us together. And we ended up hanging out for three days. And he goes, hey, I know you just got off active duty. You got a job yet? And I'm like, well, nothing set in stone. I get some contracts i'm going to be working on the dod or whatnot and he goes well i might have something for you and lo and behold you know 
later on, he called me up and he goes, I got a show in New Jersey at the Borgata. You want to work it? And I was like, yeah, I, I'm free. I'll come work it. I worked it. He goes, I'm happy if you're happy. Job's yours. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I did that for a while. That's amazing, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And I love that that stems from, like you said, and I think it's in the book too, the importance of gratitude and how sort of beneficial it is to have a grateful mindset and show gratitude. And I mean, even if it doesn't get you a job, I think it improves your mood, you know? Oh, it's, it's one of what I've found in my life and seeing it with others. That is one of the most powerful things you can do. Like, I will say that again, it is one of the most powerful things you can do is to be grateful and have gratitude. If you show that and live that way, it just, it's fertilizer for positivity. Because if you're being grateful for something, you're focusing on something you've been blessed with, or someone's helped you or positive things you have in your life. So it's just a great tool. Anybody in the audience, if you're having a bad day, start looking at something you can be grateful for. And we all have it. If you're watching this, podcast i mean you got a computer or you're watching on your tv smart tv like be grateful you have something to be grateful for and then use that i totally agree man yeah if i'm ever having a bad day i think of something that i'm grateful for and then I start to change my mindset right away yeah it'll help you shift gears undoubtedly yeah, yeah for sure for sure so when you started jumping out of planes, did you have any issues with that or were you ready to rock right away? Um, I was pretty much ready to rock. I yeah. will say I, I was just acceptance. So at that point, I mean, it was after 9-11, I was signing up to be a Green Beret and jump out of plane. I'm like, this this could be it. This is all I could be you know, doing in my life. I could die on this jump. I could die on this mission. But you know what? I'm living with purpose. And I'm going to die anyways. We're all going to die. There's no avoiding it. So do I want to go out meaningful ways? You know, something I believe in or doing something that's I'm truly alive doing it. I'm not just sitting back and going to have regrets. Like I'm living, so to speak. Yeah. And that's how I faced my you know, time in the military. That's how I faced jumping out of the plane. Uh, there was an interesting story, which I'm sure you might recall about the number one man on the first jump i was gonna uh, bring that up i was the second guy and i got to witness this this guy his dad was in the 82nd airborne he was going to be in the 82nd airborne and he was scared to death he was a young guy i'm thinking he's maybe at that point 20 years old and i was older like i said i was 28 years old not that it was super 28 was super old but for joining the military it's definitely older mm -hmm. and he just started tearing up and like i can't do this i can't go first because being the number one man they're setting up they open that door you're standing there at the door waiting to go for green lights and jump master to tell you go and everything so he just was taking it all in and right there and he just was tearing up and he's like i can't do this can you change spots and i'm like i'm not changing spots unless the black hat says it's okay like i'm not getting in trouble let's just start and i don't want to mess up static lines or do it you know i'm like no I'm, I'm willing to do it but you got to talk to the jump master jump master denied it was like hell no and i didn't think he was actually going to jump but he did jump on his own free will and that's something 
that really to this day and why we're even talking about it now made an impression on me because he was scared shitless. I mean, he was pooping his pants and he jumped out on his own. He made a determination and was like, you know what? I'm doing it. And I was really proud of him, you know, because I know there, there was no doubt that he was deathly afraid, you know, and I, I was nervous too, but I was in that let it go mentality. Yeah. So I guess the overall theme of the book, which honestly, man, I'm, I'm really happy that I read it over these last couple of days. Cause I'm feeling motivated to like, get back in the gym, eat healthier, you know, just like wake up earlier. Um, there's a lot of good nuggets in there. Um, but I guess, what would you, I guess the overall theme is just like taking control of your own shit and not being in a victim mentality and just uh accepting that you're in charge of your own life and you you get to make your life whatever you want it to be um would you agree that that's kind of like the overall theme of the book oh absolutely i just want to let people know though and listeners just because you have the asset mindset doesn't mean everything's going to work out the way you want mm -hmm. and when you have the asset mindset you are realizing that no one influences your life more than you do like you are the number one influence. There's going to be a lot of things and variables in life. Things happen, good luck, bad luck, chances, you know, where you're living and whatnot, but you can change that. That goes back to you are the greatest influence in your life. So you can, I want to change careers. I want to learn something else. I want to live somewhere else. You know what? I don't like living in the city. I want to go in the mountains or hey, I don't like being out in the middle of nowhere. I want to move to a city. Whatever it is, you're in control. You're the greatest influence in your life. And that's the first step for having the asset mindset philosophy is realizing you are your greatest asset. No one can help you in your life more than you can. So stop looking at other people to help you and you start being your greatest asset. And is why I always say, own your power. Fantastic. And uh, I know I already asked about meditation, but do you still meditate? Yes. Not on a strict schedule. I meditate as I need it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, I could probably do more. We can all do more. But I look at meditation now as like when I'm thirsty, I drink water. When I feel stressed or I have an issue, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to center myself. The goal, I think, is to kind of live life in a walking meditation. Like you're at peace. That's where some people, I believe, call it enlightenment. You know, I mean, you can define that and there can be all different types of terms, but when you can be in that mindset of peace and acceptance in your life, wherever you're at, then you're kind of in a state of walking meditation. But yeah, that's how I meditate now. So when I need it, I'm going to go do it. I like that. Yeah. Just like living life, like a walking meditation. I like that a lot. Like whatever comes at you, just accept it and just roll with it and just be your greatest asset. Just whatever comes up, good or bad, you just you just keep going. Yeah, that's what you got to do. And that is life. And guess what? If you don't keep going, life's going to keep going. It's still going to come at you. You know, if you're sitting there being lazy or you're like, oh, I give up this or that, like it doesn't stop the problems. You know, things are still going to come. There's still going to be challenges. Life is hard. So choose your heart, as a lot of people say. Choose your heart. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of keeping things rolling, 
I got a little holiday special hypothetical survival scenario for you. Right. Um, are you ready to see if you can survive this podcast? Hell yeah. Bring it on. Okay. All right. So let me get my little notes out here. For this scenario, you're going to be by yourself attending a banquet cocktail party, kind of like a fancy person meet and greet. Okay. And it's occurring in the banquet room inside a 40 story skyscraper. <laughs> kind of kind of similar to like a certain holiday movie that some people may may or may oh, not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you are entering the building and as you enter uh there's a hostess and she asks if she can take your phone this is a no phones event she's going to put your phone in a locker and give you a key and when you leave, you can get your phone back. So first question is, do you A, turn in the phone and take take the locker key, or B, refuse and just skip the event? <laughs> Ooh, would I survive this? Oh, it, it would depend on the event. A lot of times I go to places I don't give up my phone, you know, when... I'm not supposed to or whatnot. And I go to a lot of places armed, like I'm licensed to carry and I'm also a licensed armed bodyguard. So when I go to a lot of events, I still have tools with me. But for the podcast, I'll say, I really want to go to this party and there's somebody there I'm going to meet. So I will give up my phone. Exactly. That, that, that was a perfect answer. For the sake of the podcast, A is the answer. You're going to turn it in. Um, but I appreciate that you ran through the options, you know, and it's very true. Like basically you are a licensed uh, security expert. So typically you're not going to be giving that up. But for the sake of this scenario, you got it right. The answer is A. And also for the audience, you know, some people carry two phones. You could always have two phones turn in one and then keep the second phone. I've totally done that. So, yeah. yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you turn in the phone and you take the key and now you're in the elevator. It takes you up to the 11th floor banquet room. Uh, you check out the party for a little bit and you're going to go ahead to the bathroom. The line for the bathroom is very long. And so you go find a different bathroom way at the other end of the hallway. Uh, while you're in the bathroom, you hear gunshots from automatic weapons. And the party is now being taken hostage by several gunmen. So do you A, sneak back into the banquet room and see what's going on? Or B, leave the bathroom and move away from the banquet hall? I, I'm going to kind of want to go check it out, scope out what's going on. So I'm going to move kind of towards stealthily, you know, okay. I'm not gonna walk out and do, but I would I'd try and go check out and see what's happening and assess the situation. Okay. All right. I'm. You know what? We're going to give it to you. We're going to give it to you. I had B, but I'm going to give it to you with A because you answered that you're going to stealthily kind of explore the situation. Um, 
So, okay. So you're moving, you're moving down the hallway and you see that they've also chained shut the exit to the stairs. So the, the stair emergency exit has been chained shut. Um, and now you're moving down the hallway and you can hear that some bad guys are moving in your direction. So, so some of the gunmen are headed your way now. So do you A, get on the elevator, or B, run to the other end of the hallway? Well, I'm not going to run because I'm going to make a bunch of noise. And then I'm curious, am I armed? You're not armed for this one, even though I think in real life you would be carrying. Yeah, yeah. But for, for this scenario. Right now. <laughs> let, so let I'm me. Always just, ready. Oh, let wait. Me, I got my flashlight too. Where, where's the bad guy? <laughs> let me let me actually ask you. Let's 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 kind of hypothetical this hypothetical. In the scenario, you're not armed, but let's say you were armed. What would you do then? I'm curious for the audience sake, what, what would you do? Because typically in real life, you personally would be armed. You'd be ready. What do you think you would do? I would post in a position where I could probably, you know, take a shot if I needed to. And I do have extras and some more extra rounds. So if there's, you know, other bad guy, I mean, this is me and I'm at work in the office. So, you know, you, you never know. You just never know. But yeah, I positioned myself where I had some cover mm-hmm. uh, the best I could. And I mean, if they're bad guys with guns, they, they need to be taken out. Like, yeah. what stops a bad guy with a gun? A good guy with a gun. That's just the fact. So you're a trained good guy. If this was real life, you would have. And what kind of what kind of firearm are you typically carrying? Um, I carry a Glock 19. Gotcha. It's a nine mil, but I'm all about shot placement. You know, yeah, 45s are nice, but I can carry more rounds of nine mil. So that means I can engage more targets. And you, are you... you don't want to run out of bullets in a gunfight. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, are I'm guessing you are also um practicing shooting very often. Are you like at the gun range doing target practice very often? Or do you have what is your kind of training in that regard? Um, I practice. I, I love to practice more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know. Ammo is expensive, so I practice when I can. I do go to the range sometimes. I live on 50 acres, so I have a range in my yard. I actually uh, shot a, a video for a buddy of mine that's um, Navy SEAL who has uh, Watchtower Firearms. He's part of that, Ray Cash Care and Rob O'Neill, and uh, we did a bunch of stuff. It was a great time shooting at my house. So my house is kind of a range too. So, Oh, very I'm cool. Very cool. So are you? you must be down in Texas then? Actually, no, I am in uh, Nashville. Oh, you're in Nashville. I'm up here. Yeah, I'm in Nashville. Oh, very cool. I've been to Nashville like one time. I had an absolute blast, man. So anyways, I'm just, I'm, I, I like in the scenarios where we can actually kind of go outside the scenario and get your actual expert opinion as well. So, okay, back to right, the so scenario. I'm posted up or I'm, I'm now, I'm not armed. So you're not armed. You're not armed. But good, good to so know I'm not that. I'm going to run because I'm not running is going to draw attention. Yeah. So I'm going to try and move with the most casual, quiet, stealthy demeanor I can. 
if my option is to go in the elevator, then I'm probably going to go in the elevator because the stairs are locked unless there's another room that I can go in. And I always, one of the things I like to do, and I've done this in real life, I've actually used glass on doors to see reflections and down the hallway. So I am not exposed. And most people don't know or don't realize they can use reflections. So I will look, even right now, if I look around, there's a TV screen over here. I can use that TV screen as a mirror to see down this hallway. And those little viewpoints, I would probably look for something like that, that I can use for observation without exposing myself, like peeking my head around the corner. Amazing. So basically you're staying stealthy and you're using what's around you to, uh, to observe and assess the situation. And you want to see the bad guys without them seeing you basically. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So let's see where are we at here for this scenario you let's say you did all that you observe the bad guys you're staying discreet but there's no there's basically nowhere else you can go but but the elevator okay so now you're on the elevator um you're on the elevator and the next question is do you take it down to the lobby or do you take it to a different floor to look for more discreet exits. I would press a bunch of floors. So that if someone was observing or seeing or got in after me, they wouldn't know what it was. And then I would wait and see when the door opened and assess where it is. Um, I would probably, again, not be standing right in the open of the door when it opens up so that I'm there like, hey, here I am, I'm a target or, you know, so, that's one of the things it's constantly assessing, but I'd be moving. I wouldn't stay still and just hunker down. Um, and I, if I had an opportunity to get off a floor, I would, and I'd try and check other stairwells because I don't want to ride the elevator too long. Cause I don't know who's going to get in it. And the great thing about a stairwell is you can hear more multiple floors and what's going on and directions and movements. And hopefully you can get off at different floors based upon whatever. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and I like that. That's a great tip that you hit a bunch of buttons so that if someone's watching to see where you're going, they have no idea because there's a bunch of different floors lit yeah. up. And when I get out, if someone else wanted to get in or try and follow me or whatever, the elevator's occupied for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So perfect answer. So you take the, you take the elevator to a different floor and you're going to look for more discrete exits. You're going to try to you're going to try to go to a different floor and then find like a stairwell exit. And so you take the elevator and you get off on the second floor. And this floor looks like a corporate office that's under renovation. There's like tools and stuff laying around and you see a landline plugged in nearby. So do you find somewhere to hide or a find somewhere to hide or B use the landline i would be looking for a weapon because i'm not armed so if it's a construction site i would love a war hammer i mean a hammer uh, <laughs> we've all i don't know maybe we haven't seen rambo's last blood but you know when you have a hammer and you're motivated you can do some real damage you don't ask questions you just thump but anyway so i would be probably moving to the phone and i would use the landline because Combo is important. I want backup. I don't want to be alone. I want more guns in the fight. 
-hmm. So I would definitely go to the phone. But as I was moving to that phone, I would be looking for something as a weapon because construction sites always have hammers, crowbar, something. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So you're, so you're moving towards the phone and you're also looking for some kind of improvised weapon. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So you're moving towards the phone. You're looking for an improvised weapon and then you hear the elevator make a sound and a bad guy exits the elevator and he has a gun and he's about 20 feet away from you. Um, do you a charge him or B make a distraction? <laughs> I would like to make a distraction before I charge him, but it would also depend what I got for a weapon. It would depend on the layout, how close I could get to him. Like, am I standing on the phone, like right in front of the elevator door and I'm like screwed? from the get-go or am i like around the corner so you're kind of, you're kind of a little bit hidden you're a little bit hidden around the corner yeah then i would probably see where he was going and observe again because one of the things i always try and do is stop think observe and plan my action so that's kind of something that i do in a stressful situation um so that's how i would approach that so for the scenario, I'll say he gets out, he's moving around. I'm going to try and maybe get him to go in an opposite direction where it can give me a tactical advantage to then charge him. Okay, so cool. Be both? <laughs> yeah, I think it can be both. I'm curious, does that actually work like, um, like he's moving one way and you like throw a washer or something? Does that is that a real thing? Would that actually? You'd be surprised. You know, that noises, people get drawn to noises. You're like, what was that over there? You know, was yeah. it a cat, was it a bird, was something, with the wind knock over? You're going to go towards the, uh, the noise. It's basic natural instinct. Unless someone is super trained, they're going to stop where they are and look everywhere and scan the whole place. But normally, you're going to get fixated on that sound. Yeah. So you're, okay, so you're staying calm. He's moving one way. You're throwing like a washer or some shit. And then you're a pencil or a carpenter pencil. pencil I found. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you got like, you got the hammer, you got the carpenter pencil, you distract him with the pencil and then you're going to charge. That's, that's what you're, that's what you're going with. Yeah. That's where I'm going with. And okay. Uh, okay. To the head. I'm not going to go anywhere else, but you know, if I'm coming from behind brainstem and there in the back of the, Okay, so you're going to brand him with the Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so correct answer. See, the, the biggest benefit, I think, is actually working through the answers, and then the audience can kind of see your thought process and how you would formulate the plan. Um, yeah. So, okay, so you throw the carpenter's pencil. He turns towards the sound. You charge him. You crack him with the hammer. You take him out. He's down. Now you have his gun and his walkie-talkie. So and I'm going to also search him for anything else. Going to do a full search. You know, okay. he may have plans, information. He may, you know, have names or who knows what. He might have some body armor. He may have whatever equipment, knives, different things. I would strip him of anything that could be battlefield recovery, so to speak. 
Okay. Yeah. So you're going to get any, any goodies off of him. Maybe he's got some body armor. He's got a weapon. He's got a walkie talkie. Maybe you find the plans. That, that's, that's good. Okay. So you strip him down. Now you got his stuff, specifically his gun and his walkie talkie. So the next question, do you a take his gun back to the 11th floor and just Rambo the sh- that shit and save everyone or B check through all the walkie talkie channels See if you can get any information through listening to the bad guys. See if you can maybe connect with a police scanner. So A is going back to the 11th floor, guns blazing. B is work work with the walkie-talkie a little bit. See if you can either gather information or get a message out to the cops. Okay, so I'm not running back to the floor. Okay, I'm going to assess the situation. And I still want to know that landline phone. Is it still good? Because what I would do is I would now move his body. I'm not going to just leave him a bloody mess for someone to see. So I'm going to kind of conceal him. If I have to put a carpet or it's a construction zone, do I need to put a piece of plywood over the blood stain? Now I got to move him now, hide him in some tarp or whatnot. And I'm going to go back to that phone, which I was told there. If it's dead, well, then I'm out. And I'm going to just use the walkie-talkie solely. But I would be going back to that phone and kind of setting up, a, I guess, a base of operations to plan my next moves and see what I have for combo. Got you. And you're, are you moving his body, like, in case any other bad guys show up so that they don't become alerted? Yes. Or, got it. Got it. Okay, so so you're checking the phone. You're hiding his body. You're, you're basically setting up your base of operations. You're trying to get comms, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, correct. I had the correct answer was to not go charging back to the 11th floor. So you got that right. <laughs> All I, right. I might be dumb, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> so, okay. So you do all that. You're setting up your base of operations and you look out the window and you see a cop car. He's in the parking lot. Um, but it looks like now he's making a U-turn and he's about to leave. So do you A, shoot out the windows of the floor you're on to get the cop's attention? Or B, take the elevator to the roof and try to get reception on the walkie-talkie to connect with the cop? I'm not going to the roof. I'm getting more stuck. I want to be closer to the ground. <laughs> now do i have my flashlight because i'd be trying to flashlight him first you do have your flashlight and and i forgot to say that the phone was dead okay all right the yeah. phone is dead so that's no good so um yeah i'd be trying to get his attention with signaling first and if i couldn't and he was really really leaving i've actually got people's attention by gunfire before so i would probably I wouldn't go crazy because I don't want to reveal my position, but I'd do it just enough to hopefully get his attention so he doesn't just abandon the call. Okay, fantastic. So you're gonna flash him with the with the flashlight. You're gonna you're gonna signal him in some way. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And so your signaling works. And he pulls back around and now he's there and he's calling other police and other police are starting to show up. So the last question is with the cops now showing up, do you go to the 11th floor and join the fight and help 
or do you stay at your base of operations and try to establish comms with the cops and work with them um, through communication and seeing what they need from you on the inside? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be working towards getting commo with them. And then as they were getting ready and prepared, I would do whatever I could to recon or do reconnaissance and get as much information as I could um, and move forward from there. But yeah, not knowing how many guys with guns are there and what they're, I mean, I'm not just going to, you know, go cowboy and crazy and just run up there and get killed because I can't help anybody if I'm dead. Yeah. So I would be trying to strategically and tactically move and communicate with other forces uh, or the police, their SWAT yeah. team. Fantastic. So you you basically you set up your base there. You've got the enemy's gun. You've got his body hidden. You've signaled the cops. Now they're showing up and you're basically going to set up shop where you're at and try to establish communication with them and help them through reconnaissance or whatever means you're you're able to once you establish that communication. Yes. Yeah, and obviously going through the channels on the walkie-talkie and seeing what's going on. Fantastic. Well, Mr. Daniel Fielding, you have officially survived this podcast. Uh, thank you so much. That that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I really like when we can kind of go a little bit outside the scenario and you can say like, okay, well, here's what I would actually do. I'd actually have my fucking gun on me. <laughs> yeah, like I don't go really anywhere without that. Yeah. You know, I get the credentials and that's why I'm there. And I work a lot with law enforcement. I mean, I've worked with secret service. I've, you know, done a lot of things. And even to this day, like downtown Nashville, I was doing some stuff and, you know, I'm totally armed and they know it, you know, and I'm one of the good guys with the gun. So when, are you typically like concealed carry or are you like an open carry? No, concealed carry. Absolutely. Always concealed carry. I don't want like I'm the one of those people that are just kind of ghosts in the scene. You know, I'm not a overtly, you know, I'm a security guard that says security this and that, you know, I'm that. I can watch and see. So I wouldn't be necessarily a suspect of a bad guy that's walking in because a lot of times I'm wearing a suit. Yeah. You know, suit and tie, or I'm driving. Oh, he's just a driver. Oh, he's this or that and whatnot. So. And also most like, like most, like when you're local, like when you're home or most places where you would, where, where you would carry, do you kind of somehow let law enforcement know ahead of time? Like, do they know you in most places like where you live? Yes. I have a good relationship with the Metro um, police department. I have a good relationship with the sheriff's department and yeah, they know most of the time. I mean, I, they know I have certain lights on vehicles and do things and whatnot. And, you know, we're all on the same team. I help them out the best I can. If I have information, they do the same with me. We work together on, you know, whatever it is we need to accomplish that day and try and keep everyone safe. Yeah, I would imagine that for anyone who does carry, that would be pretty important to have open communication with the local uh, police so that because you don't want to accidentally get confused for one of the bad guys. No, not at all. That's that's a worst case scenario is you're a good guy with a gun 
you know, the bad guy's doing whatever, you pull your gun, you take him out, and now the cops show up and you're there standing with your, you know, weapon. And they're like, oh, that's the bad guy when actually you just save people. So, yeah, yeah. You don't want that. I so will they, tell you a funny story, though. Yeah. Uh, I was doing an event with a former president and Secret Service there. Now they know what I do and they know I'm licensed to carry and all this stuff. But, you know, dealing with the Secret Service, they have multiple rifles. They have all kinds of stuff in their kit, so to speak. And I'm just one guy with, you know, a weapon and a few extra mags. So I'm like, okay, I lock it securely in a place and then move into, in a sense, their bubble. But they all know what I do. So they come up every time I'm with the Secret Service. Like, are you are you slick or are you clean or are you carrying? Because they want to know or all that. And I'm like, nope, it's secure in a lockbox or, oh, I did this with it or I did that with it because I don't want them to worry. And... I'm not going to have any more firepower. That's probably the safest spot to be is in the bubble of a president. <laughs> so have you, so have you done security for a lot of like uh, presidents as well? Um, no, but I've uh, had the opportunity to meet and see president Trump. And it's a very, very interesting man. And boy, does he love this country and really does want to, help the world be a better place. I think as many people, you know, in the world, we get a bad rap sometimes. And, you know, you got to look at someone's actions, what they do and results. And boy, he's, he doesn't have to do what he's done. The guy's got enough money. He can go buy an island and pay for people to serve him whatever he wants and rub his feet. He truly is doing this for, you know, love of country. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many other people. People normally want to be a president for power and money. Well, he's already got all that. So he's his motivations are rather interesting. I don't care what people's political beliefs are, but you're not going to find too many people on either side of the aisle that have that much money and power and are still going to try and serve the country. You know. Yeah, good point. I think very commendable. Yeah, very good point. I and I imagine that is a security bonanza when uh wherever he goes yeah <laughs> well thank you for coming on the show um the asset mindset is the book i loved it man i'm feeling really inspired by your book thank you uh for putting it out and for sending me a copy and oh, my pleasure is there anything else like that people should know where do you want people to find you or find your book or anything else you want uh, people to look up about you or what, what should people do? People can go to the assetmindset.com. Uh, I got a website. They can find me the asset mindset on Instagram. I'm probably most active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can reach out to me there. I do speaking now because the books become a pretty good success. Motivational speaking, corporate speaks, uh, speeches. And I have a gig going on in Arizona out at Lake Havasu coming up in November. If anybody's out there and wants to go to Riverside, they will be able to see me over at Lake Havasu I'm doing a private corporate event in Texas in December. But yeah, that's been one of the things that I'm really moving towards now because I've realized I've been able to help a lot of people with my book and the one-on-one -on -one interactions like we've had today, I've found has been very enlightening or helpful for people to really get that more intimate and in the asset mindset philosophy and be able to ask questions. So it's a, you know, two way 
communication. And that's, that's been going well. And I love doing it because I love getting the feedback and seeing the results from people and hearing their success stories or how it's changed ever like you today you're a prime example like oh it's motivating i want to get up earlier now and do this and that and that's just adding more fuel to my fire like i wanted to help people through the book and now i see it happening it's just making me want to get it out there more so the more i can share it the more y'all out there can share it and help get the word out we can change the world with the asset mindset or a positive mindset so I think you'll you'll have to come back on the show in like a few months and I'm going to be just like totally jacked and I'm going to be like, man, this book I'm every morning. I'm just, I wake up at 5.00 AM. I hit the floor doing my pushups. Um, That's awesome. That's And you know what? You wouldn't be alone. There's a fellow veteran now. Uh, he's got his own little podcast thing he's doing. He started it after reading my book. He's lost 40 pounds in weight. He's like, I'm doing the best you know, he's hit me up a few times. We've kind of now we joke. You know, I'm like, you're my asset mindset teammate now. Like you're into this and we help each other out. And same to you, Jeff. I mean, like you can reach out anytime. We're asset mindset teammates now. And if you want to leave a review for me on Amazon or anywhere else, I'd love it and appreciate it. For but, sure. You and, just uh, reach you, you're going to be in Havasu in November. You're doing like a, like a, um, asset mindset event or like a speaking thing? i'm going to be part of it so it's a hot rod event it's actually a car show there's going to be like 500 hot rods and different cars going on there's going to be live music uh it's a weekend event uh yeah november 18th okay amazing maybe maybe i'll try to maybe i'll try to pop in oh that'd be awesome where are you at i'm in la you're not oh not too far then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i would like to i would like to check out Havasu. i haven't been there yet Oh, it's great. I, someone told me I haven't been there since 94. I know I'm aging myself, but uh, <laughs> that the original London Bridge has been rebuilt. Like they took it down and they built it and re-put it back together, you know, and it's out at Lake Havasu. So I don't know. I'm curious to see if I can find the London Bridge out there. Amazing. Well, yeah. Thanks again for coming on. One more time at the Asset Mindset. I'm motivated and yeah, we'll have to check in in a couple months and we'll, and we'll, we'll check on my progress. Um, Fantastic. I look forward to it. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on and uh, bye everybody. Bye.